Some of you may have seen a movie last year which garnered a ton of Oscars, including Best Picture, called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. It's a slightly strange, rather kinetic movie, if I can put it like that. The plot line, bear with me, uh, is about a woman called Evelyn Wang, who runs a Chinese laundromat. And she's in trouble with the IRS, something that I sympathize with. She goes to uh, an IRS office, and while she's there, something rather strange happens. She finds herself transported into an alternative world, where she is another person that she could have been, as is her husband, her daughter, the IRS agent, and just about everybody else. And the rest of the movie plays out that way until eventually she comes back to world number one. There is something about that movie that reminds me of the Transfiguration. There are three regular guys, fishermen, former fishermen, Peter, James, and John. Jesus invites them to come up a mountain with him to pray. Straightforward enough. They've seen some healing, some miracles, but, you know, they go up the mountain, and all of a sudden, everything is different. Jesus is different, transformed, bright white. And there are Moses and Elijah, the two great figures of Hebrew scripture. Moses, who, as we heard today, was on the mountain with God, transfigured, his face radiant. And Elijah, the greatest of all the prophets, who was swept up bodily into heaven with the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. These two great figures talking to Jesus. And then the cloud descends, as it did with Moses, and God speaks from the cloud. Peter has no idea what to do. He says the dumb thing, which the rest of us would have said as well. But then, all of a sudden, it's back to normal again. Jesus is alone. They go down. They have no idea what to say. So what is the transfiguration? Is it a magic trick? Is it some type of hallucination, something psychedelic? What? I think what the transfiguration is, is a window. A window into a different and new reality. The transfiguration is for Jesus, shows the new reality to the disciples. The reality is, as he says in his conversation with Moses and Elijah, he is going to Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, he will be killed. After being killed, he will rise again. And that inaugurates another stage of the kingdom. That is the new reality, that in rising, Jesus conquers death and sin and begins the process of the renewal of the world, of the incoming of the kingdom. But there's another element about it as well, because it looks forward to the end, to the literal end, which as we read at the end of Revelation is when all things are perfected, when the world itself is transformed and transfigured, when the new Jerusalem descends from heaven to earth, when things are remade. And we read that in that new Jerusalem, there is need for neither sun nor moon, because all light comes from God. There is no night. Darkness has been conquered. And that, again, is that window that the transfiguration provides, both Jesus his death, his rising, and the perfection of everything at the end. 
But I also want to suggest to you that the transfiguration, that window, when we see what this new reality is, God's reality, it's not the reality of our everyday world, is not just something which happened in the past and will happen way, way in the future, but something which can actually happen now, today, to me and to you. Let me give you two examples. Some of you may recall a couple of years ago I preached about an occasion, a privilege that I had of going to South Africa, to Johannesburg, and preaching in the cathedral in the center of Johannesburg. But that's not the transfiguration part. Three days later, I was invited to come back and to impose ashes on Ash Wednesday. My taxi driver dropped me about five blocks from the cathedral. He was African. He said, this is as close as I'm going. He said, you'll be fine in a clerical shirt. So I walked through what was an open encampment in the center of Johannesburg, where there was poverty and squalor and misery, to be sure. And I went into the cathedral as evening was falling. And I did not just end up in posing ashes, but I was invited by the dean of the cathedral to celebrate communion as well. The cathedral in Johannesburg was built in the 1920s. It is a shrine to imperialism. Everywhere you look, there are war memorials and pictures, representations of a very, very white God and white Jesus. And yet, the entire congregation was African, black African. This was their home now. They had adopted it, and into that, they invited me, the son or grandson of their former imperial masters, not just welcomed, but forgiven as well. And in that service, in that moment, there was darkness outside now, but inside there was light. And there was that moment when the window opened and you could see what a new reality would be. The reality that the prophet Isaiah talks about when he talks about all people coming to God's holy mountain. And on that holy mountain, swords will be beaten to plowshares, and nation shall not take up nation, war against nation again. It's this vision of peace where all people, all people can live together in equality. And one other example which is much, much closer to home. In fact, right here, St. John's. When I preached that sermon, which had that reference to my time in South Africa, it was June the 6th, 2020. It was the end of seven days in which there had been a riot outside, a fire inside, soldiers and other unidentifiable people in the streets, a visit, and the pandemic. It was a remarkable time. So say there was the pandemic, there was fear. We got ourselves a wall, which we didn't particularly ask for. And yet, at the same time, for so many of us, that was also a window. Because we recognized, realized, saw, in many cases for the first time, by standing alongside our brothers and sisters who had previously been invisible to us, 
but whom we now understood to have suffered not just historic wrongs, but current ones as well. We stood there in all humility, truly as brothers and sisters. And that, again, was a window into what might be, which many of us picked up, some in direct outreach, almost 90 of us in sacred ground, digging deeper to understand what it was, who we were, what had happened, and what should be. The transfiguration, that transformation, God's reality, is here and now. Now those windows open, and as windows do, they close. Clouds part, and they come back together again. So what are we to do? We must not forget, we have, as Dr. King said in a slightly different context, we have now been to that mountaintop. It is all too easy, particularly if we're comfortable, to slip back into what we view as the single reality of this world. But we have seen what another world looks like. We have seen and we should not forget. I should not forget, you should not forget. It is difficult to live out that new reality. But as Christians, as the followers of that man who was transfigured on that mountain, we have now also been to that mountain. And we must live that in our lives. Amen.